Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. You would change us on the inside where we need to be changed. We just come with an open heart. Holy Spirit, where those areas are that you want to deal with, we ask that you would shed your light, that you would draw us to the truth, that we would know the truth, and that the truth would set us free. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would do that work. We thank you that we need, you, we need deliverance, you are the deliverer. Where we need healing, you are the healer. Gifts, 
unexpected gifts. I, I, I always expecting those things, and every week there's something. So I always share my stories. But I had someone, uh, Alan, he's not here tonight. Um, he shared with me, we were talking on the phone this week, and uh, he was actually the one that testified last week of uh, where he, God had told him, you know, you, you have a tithe, you need a tithe, boom, boom, boom. Well, anyway, he went home and told his mom, who his mom at that at this point is has used to tithe and used to go to church, and she's on her way journey back to God. She kind of fell away from that. This isn't something that isn't something she's not told everyone. So I'm not just telling, spreading bad news, okay? Um, but but you know he challenged her and he said, "Look, this is what God did." She says, "You know what? I'm going to do that." And she did it, and guess what? There was, uh, she was, I guess, watching dogs or whatever, and this lady had never paid her. And anyway, that day, $400, she gave her. <laughs> and it was like, not what she expected, and never ever, you know, was, uh, had never done that before. So, there, it's like, there's things, when we come into covenant with God, the fun thing about it, that people say, you give to get, that's part of why I give. It's not the only reason I give. But it is part. That's people say, oh, you shouldn't give to get. No, that's dumb. Because the Bible says you, you, you reap what you sow. If I'm sowing money, I am expecting to reap money. If I sow time, I'm expecting time. If I sow kindness, I'm expecting kindness. Whatever you sow, you reap. And, and people are I'm struggling with my money. Well, that's probably one of the reasons. If you have not put God first and come in covenant with Him and honored Him first, then you're all out of whack there and God can't work and move and not that He doesn't want to. But we're in partnership with God. He's merciful at times and reaches down regardless. But in terms of a lifestyle, we have to live a lifestyle of giving. And the best way to do that is God instituted it. It's the tithe, it's a tenth. Tenth of everything I have. I, it's measurable. It's something I can start with. It's 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 a beginning. It's not the the end. It's the beginning. We give far more than that, but it's our beginning. And it was our beginning, and we grow. We grow into to more. And so it's exciting. Does anyone else have a, a testimony? If you know, I said I was going to ask. So yes. So. Um Daniel and I have always been very faithful with our tithing, but over Christmas time, I felt like the Lord was asking us to be more generous in our offerings to others. So the Lord had put um, this family on our heart to bless over Christmas, and we didn't do it just because we got busy, not for any other reason. But um, anyways, I watched the message online last week because I was sick, so Daniel and I sat down, sorted out all of our finances, Turned out we had a bunch of money that wasn't really being used. And uh, so anyway, we, we sent the money to this family that night, last Sunday. And then uh, this past weekend, we were in Kingston visiting our friends, and Daniel was preaching at their youth group. Anyways, one of the guys on their worship team, who I met once, maybe twice, the first time I ever met him, <coughs> I told him I was starting to do keyboard lessons or piano lessons. But Daniel had bought me this like cheap keyboard off of Amazon. It wasn't really good to practice. <laughs> 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 anyway, he tried his best. <laughs> but 
actually, the next day, um, the one of the worship, the guys on the worship team messaged Daniel saying, do, do I still want a keyboard? And he said, yes, obviously, whatever. Anyways, we go there. He bought me a, like a $1,000 keyboard. And just like, just gave it to me, and he and said he that. told you the next day. The next day. Yeah, so the next day after we had given that offering um, to that family. Wow. So yeah, it was just really cool to see that. And then also we we have decided that we want to prioritize giving above. Amen. Yeah, not to give, but right. just our heart posture has really changed. Amen. Amen. And that's the thing, when, when you come into covenant with God, because when he says he opens the windows of heaven, there's multiple ways that God can get things to you. We think it's our job, we think it's this. Sometimes favor will get you what money can't get you. And favor will get you far more than what money will get you. And so it opens the door for the favor of God. It opens the door for so many things because you're in covenant with God. You're saying, God, I, am, I entrust you with this. And God's saying, look, do you trust me? Because the only proof whether you trust him or not is when you, you act on it. People are like, oh, you just want my money. No, I don't want your money. I'm trying to get something to you. I'm trying to get something to you. I don't, I don't care about your 10%. I really don't. It's between you and God. Yes, our house, this house can use it, but God takes care of this house. And yes, he wants to use his people, but God can do it multiple ways. Amen? Amen. And so um, the next thing that we, we want to do in glorifying God, and this is an area that um, is, again, there's so much in Scripture about it, so I'm only going to skim the surface, but glorifying God with my talents and my abilities. And your talents and your abilities, um, they need to be used to glorify God. And if they don't, they will destroy you. Um, and it, we see this with multiple different ones. And we look at Elvis. Elvis grew up singing gospel in the church. He grew up learning this and having this gift. And, not, and it, it should have been used for God. And what happens when, when a gift or when we take worship for something that God gives us? It can turn on us and it destroys us. And we see this. And I can name all kinds of different ones. Unfortunately, there's a lot of different Christian artists that have, when they crossed over, they forgot the cross. <laughs> and, and they just kind of threw Jesus out the window and threw all of that out the window. And you, you see a deterioration in their life because we're not created to be worshipped. We're created to worship. There's only one who's worthy of our worship. And so our, our abilities and our talents and, and those things that God gives us are to be used for his glory. And how do I mean, you know, how do you use it for God's glory? You're, you're like always, just like this, and floatsy all day. That's not how I'm using it for God. No, it's, it's using it in a way that, and we're going to get into this. And so I won't get into that part of it. But first of all, I want us to, to understand, um, the Bible says that, that um, God saved us by his grace. And that, um, let's go to Ephesians 2.8. We're going to get lots of Bible tonight because I don't know if you read your Bible this week, but if you didn't, you're going to get a good portion of Bible reading tonight because the Word of God is what we need to hear. Don't need to hear my words. 
God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Amen? Amen. So this, our whole life and everything that God planned is a gift. And it's a gift, though, that we have to receive. Because we've been given free will and we're born into sin, there comes a point when we have to decide and when we choose, and then it's choosing His will or my will. And it's laying down our lives and saying, God, you are the master who made this masterpiece. You are the one that designed me. You know what, what parts of me there are and how I can fulfill your plan. And I'm, we're going to be looking at an example in... Um, in, in, in Acts, it talks about David, and I want to use the example of David, because David is a man who stayed faithful to God from the beginning to the end. And in the Bible, I'm just going through the Bible again in a year, you're going through the Old Testament, and I, I don't like going through kings, because it's just depressing. So many of them fall away from God, so many of them are like, but David didn't, David made mistakes. That's, that's not, you know, he murdered someone, he, he, he committed adultery, he did some bad things, but he got his back on track, and he, and he got his heart right with God, and he, and he kept going, and he stayed the course, and he stayed faithful to God to the end, because this is what it says in Acts, and it says, um, this is a, a reference to David, it's not a reference to David, that's personal. Concerning the other thing Paul's saying, but he says, but it says here, for after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. So after David had done the will of God in his own generation, see, there's a, a will of God for my generation, for me. I was born in this generation. I was designed to have an impact and to do something for God for this generation. And I don't need to talk about, you know, Smith Wilkinsworth, but yes, I can remember the good things he's done and, and glean from them, but he, he brought the power of God and what God could do for his generation. And we need to bring it for our generation. Amen? David, David even declared this in the Psalms, that your power be seen in my generation. As he was reflecting on the previous generations that God did something. And so there's a part of this where we've got to own this. And we've got to say, no God, I'm designed for now. I'm to serve this generation. And another transition that says, after David had served his generation by the will of God. And we, we serve our generation by giving our talents and our abilities. The gifts that God put inside of us. And David understood, you know, the, the intimacy of this. And let's go to Psalms 139. Um, we'll start at verse 1. And, and this is something that we need to remember um, when we're coming to God. Is that, like, God knows everything. And I think sometimes it's, it's hilarious. Because we all do it. We just, like, we'll hide something and we think, oh, God doesn't know. And it's like, He does. And he said, it says here, oh Lord, he says, you've examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts. 
even when I'm far away. You see when I travel and when I rest at home and when I'm sitting on the couch watching and vegging out, you know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. Yeah, even the stupid stuff we say. He says, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. So on a really, 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 really good day, he's there and his spirit's there. And on your really, really, really bad day, that is from hell. He is there. His spirit is there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell, if, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even darkness, in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you, night shines as bright as day. Talk about night goggles. <laughs> he sees everything as if it's not even dark. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born, and every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Now, you know who's writing this? Basically a gladiator. Okay, David was a warrior. David was, if we've watched the movie Gladiator, or watched any of those medieval times where they're like barbaric and fighting, that's what these guys were like. They were warriors. If anyone's days were numbered, David's days were numbered, and he lived to be an old guy. So you read the Psalms from that perspective, how he put his trust in God, how he's continually laying his life down, how he's continually um, petitioning God. He was totally aware that his life was not his own, that he was following a divine plan, and that he was keeping in step with that plan. Yes, he made mistakes along the way, but he learned from those mistakes and he continued to move on. And so he gave what was put inside of him to the generation and he left it. He left it. And so there's, we need a little bit more of this in North America. Period. We are a self-centered, narcissistic society. We think of ourselves. Everything's facing ourselves. We got more pictures than anyone has ever had of themselves, ever, in generations gone by. And it's just, and, and it, what it does is it just creates this, and it's, and it's like, there, there's an element of that that we need, but we need an element of, we see further than this. We see a bigger picture. 
we see that we're a part of something much larger than my own little world. That, that the little things that I do in life have a ripple effect that can actually do something far more than my life in one individual person. That when I'm joined together with the body of believers, that God has knit and joined me together, that together we have a multiplication factor that nothing else can outnumber. And that makes me want to go to church. That makes me want to hook up with people and get to know them a little bit more. That makes me want to get together in people's lives so that I can be like, you know what? What's going on here? What's God doing? What part can I be in, in this and be in that? Where, where is my part? Because we all play a part in, in, in God's plan. Every one of us. You know, and, and God doesn't take the gifts that he put in you away. The Bible says in Romans uh, 20, 11, 29, for the gifts and the callings of God are never withdrawn. They are without repentance. In other words, God doesn't, like, he doesn't intricately make you and me and like, design you and says, I'm going to put this, he's going to have a big mouth. I'm just going to make him a big mouth. He's going to be the one that goes in the room and he's the loud mouth. You know? And, 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 then, and then all of a sudden, you know, he, he, you walk around the earth and then it's like, oh no, I'm going to take that back out. He doesn't. It's there. It's never withdrawn. How it's used, it can be destroyed, but it was not God that did it. It was you. Or me, through our disobedience. God's gifts and callings are without repentance. They are there, and they're to be used. And if you don't use it, you lose it. And we see this in the account of Matthew. We're going to go there. Because it's very important that we use what God has given us. In Matthew 25. <clears throat> because... Some people are like, oh, I just, have, I just want to be faithful. I just want to be faithful. No. It's more than being faithful. We see this in Scripture. It's being faithful and fruitful. Because when we're faithful to God, we are fruitful. When we are engaged in what God has given us, fruit comes out of it. It's a byproduct of faithfulness to God. Because sometimes people are faithful to, to tradition, and Jesus ran into this with the Pharisees and Sadducees, and he was so angry with them because they stayed stuck there and actually became stagnant, and they never they were doing the right thing outwardly, but they didn't bear fruit. They didn't bear fruits of repentance. Repentance means a changed way of life. So they were saying one thing, but they were doing another doors. They were living another way. And we, we need to live a life that is faithful to what is good and that we live that out. Is everyone doing that 100%? Absolutely not. Let's be honest here, people. We are all in that place of working out our salvation with fear and trembling. We're working our salvation out, but we need to take what God has given us, and we need to say, God, how do you want to use this? And where it's hard, then we, we work that through. We learn to trust him more. We, we, we step out in maybe a little bit, but we do something. We don't just let it go stay in. 
Because it says here again, and let's go to Matthew 25, 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five gifts of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Divided it into proportion to their abilities. Very important. God gives gifts and he gives abilities. Some people are given a greater ability in an area than another, and we shouldn't compare and say, well, how can that person do that? Because God has given them the grace and the ability to do that. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money, and he earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. And after a long time there, uh, a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used their money. Now, this is what we got to remember. We have to give an account to God for what he's given us. The gifts he's put inside of us, we have to give an account for. He's the only one that we have to give an account for. Ultimately, in the end, at the end of our life, that's why the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Why he will not remove them. Because that's going to be the, the gauge in which he, he holds us to account. He says, this is the way I made you. What did you do with them? Well, no, I didn't like I didn't like that. I didn't ask you if you liked it or not. This is who I made you to be. What did you do with it? We see it here. He called them in and he said, I want, I want you to give an account. The, the, the servant to whom um, the servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. So he gets more work. <laughs> Yay! With much power comes much responsibility. <laughs> Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were harsh. Harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. In other words, he saw God as this hard taskmaster that he demanded all these things from him, but wasn't willing to even be there or do anything with 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 him and helping him. He only saw the harshness. He only saw the side that demanded something, not realizing that God had given each of these ones something. He gave him a bag of money to use. That's your talent. That's your ability. We've all been given something. We need to find it. We're going to look at this and kind of see in, in, in a very, very short, short nutshell. You could do a whole series on this and how to find those gifts and talents that God put in you. But, but the one who designed you knows what he put inside of you. 
And he knows how to bring that to the surface if you ask him. Start asking him. Don't ask your friends. Don't ask your family. Start asking him. Because some people have put you in a box and said, no, you're this, you're this, you're this, and you're the exact opposite. I was that. I grew up being told one side, and God says, no, you're not, you're this. The exact opposite. And I had to work that through, and it didn't come overnight. I had to wrestle with that. Wrestle with God, then I had to wrestle with myself, until I could get comfortable with it. And realize it's not wrong. This is who I am. And we don't apologize for it. Because the fear of man brings a snare. It'll trap you every time. And he's like, I knew, I knew you, you harvested where you don't, you don't plant, and I was afraid. I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. So here's, here's your money back. I was faithful and I guarded the bag. Here it is. Here it is. You made it. You got your bag back. I, I stayed saved. I barely stayed saved, but I, I, I'm saved. I, I just made it. Basically, and he actually thought he was doing something good. That's the sad part. And that's how messed up the enemy can get us. And God gave us this, this illustration to show us, I don't think this way. You don't hold on to that talent and that ability I gave you, and you don't keep it to yourself. You multiply it. You give it out. You give it out. And give it out. And let it multiply and multiply and multiply. Now, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. You know where the richest place in the world is? Everywhere? Graveyards. There's books that were never written. There were things that were never started by people that went to the grave in fear. Tons of people that died in fear and never stepped out and never surrendered to God and never gave that gift to God. And it died in a grave. Sit, doing nothing. We decided. Say, well, that's harsh. No, it's actually very important. Very, very important. We don't sit around in fear waiting for things to happen. We don't make excuses. We make a move. We make a move. How can I move? God, how can I move? How can I move in what you have given me? Because I don't want to be like this guy. And I don't even want to read the rest of the story because basically it's very depressing. Takes his bag, he casts him away, and basically punishment and gives it to the guys that used it. End of the story. But it's not let the, let's not let that be our end. Amen? Amen? Let's not let that be our end. So, what do we do? We look at what God says for us today. We're going to go to Romans 12. 
And we're going to start to look at this in terms of just at the basics of gifts. There's so many different ways we can look at gifts. And I'm going to just take you to the, one of the basic simple areas of, of giftings in Romans 12. Romans yeah, 12. But first of all, it starts out with this, and it gives us good perspective. It says, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. So why should we give our bodies and our, our lives to God? Because of what he's done for us. It's the only reason. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Amen? This is truly the way to worship him. So it's not about worshiping him just on Sunday. Coming in here, you know, and it's like, oh, I had a really good day. I'm going to really worship him. Oh, when I went to Bible school and I was in 84, Christ for the Nations, um, we had worship every morning. And we had an anointed worship leader, Marty Nice, for me, wrote the song as the deer. He, Headed up Integrity Hosanna music way back in the day, which was cutting edge worship. Anyway, he was our worship leader every day. Oh, but it was like, and I, God gave me a really special roommate that annoyed me to smithereens. <laughs> we did not get along. Oh, you know, Brad was just, oh, it's just one of those people. And so every day, you know, it would be something with Brad and we'd come in and then we'd have to do worship. In the morning, right? And then Mark, and then we have Michael Brown, Dr. Michael Brown. He's in our school. He's there in the worship in the morning and he's like, I feel the Lord's telling me there's someone here and you've got unforgiveness in your heart. Or, and it's, it's, and he's calling me. You know, he doesn't say who it is, but of course you know. And, and, you know, and so I had to deal with those things, but but then it was it was like my worship was like up and down, right? I worship God because He's worthy, but then if it was bad, and you know what, I got to a point of in that year, I realized God's worthy whether I feel like it or not, and I'm going in there not because I feel good about being able to worship Him. I'm going in there for one reason: He is worthy, and I'm going to give Him everything because He's worthy. Period. That's why it's important to open our mouths, shouting to God with the voice of triumph. That's why it's important to, for God to hear your voice, to hear you say, worthy, worthy is your name. Not to just listen. Let your voice be heard. He wants to hear you say, is he worthy? Well, I'm when you're sitting there like, Come on, guys, let's get honest with ourselves. We make all these excuses in our culture. We think, oh, it's okay. I just, I just don't feel like it. It's like, maybe here that works, but in heaven, everyone gives God the highest praise. There isn't someone up there in heaven during the worship saying, they're like, I just had a really bad day, you know? <laughs> and I want to sit there and just like feel sorry for yourself. You know what? There is a time where you work through those things, but when we're giving God everything, you give Him everything. And I learned that through all the junk I was going through with Brad and all the different things, I would just work it through. You know, Brad and I became good friends by the end of the year. 
It was all his fault he changed. <laughs> but you know what? God has a way of doing those things when we put him in the right place. When we, we, we give our lives as holy sacrifices that are acceptable to him. And it says here, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. We got a lot of stinking thinking. It's really stinky. And it's just thinking that it's like, if we compared it to God's thoughts in heaven, it just stinks. It's defeated. It's fearful. It's limited. It's just yuck compared to God's thoughts. So we need to change the way we think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. And the best way to change the way you think, read the word of God. Just, I'm not even preaching here, guys. I'm reading the word. And just this book, reading it, brings life. Brings life. Amen. Amen? And it says here, then you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each one of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. <laughs> oh, thank you, Paul, for writing this. He's warning us. Why? Because people like to think of themselves more than they are. Oh, I don't do that. You're the humble and proud of it, Einstein. <laughs> like, we, 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 so human nature just elevates ourselves. It just does in different ways. And, and so he's saying, don't think of yourself more than you, than you are. It says here, um, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Husbands, ask your wives. <laughs> that will help. <laughs> Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. So, this is the thing we have to remember. We are all part of of a much bigger body. And we are only a part. So we can't look around like, oh, I wish I could do this. Oh, I wish I could do that. Oh, I wish I could be a finger. Oh, I wish I could be the foot. When God made you the arm or, you know, there's different parts that he makes each of us a part. And, and so it's important for us to recognize what he's put in us. And that we're not everything. But what are, you, what are you good at? What is it that when you do it, you feel most alive? That's, for me, the best thing that, that uh, I can do for recognizing a gift or something that God has given me. When I do it, I feel alive. When I do it, I come alive. When I do it, I get more life back to me. Why? Because it's something God put in you. And you could... You know, like, you look at Mother Teresa. She laid her life down. But as she kept giving, she just had more and more that she wanted to give. She had the gift of serving. 
And, and she just, as she did it, it did more and more and more. And we're going to look at these gifts because he's just breaking down a few. Um, but let's look at these ones and then we can kind of break them down a bit. He, so he says here, um, So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. So with prophecy which is also encouragement or exhortation. It's edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's the simple gift of prophecy. And there are people that have that, where they're, they're exhorters. And they, they just, they just, I, I, have, I know some people, I can't name them because I'm trying to think of ones that, that you would know, but again, the whole, it's a big mix in the room. But they just, when you leave this, that type of a person, you're so encouraged, you're like, and I'm not talking in a way that they're puffing you up in a way that's, um, you know, worldly. It's where they really truly see what God's doing and they encourage you and things that God has for you. And you're just, when you leave them, you're like, wow. And they don't even try to do it. It's just, that's what they do. That's in them. So what should they do? They should use it wherever they are. Spread it around. Be in the body. That person should not be a hermit. And should not stay at home all the time. That person should not be a farmer working in a field talking to cows. Right? Just saying. Then it says here, then the other person, um, I'm losing my spot. So, uh, so, no, the, the next one is um, serving. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. Now, the gift of serving, um, that one, and it makes no sense, people, I, I have the gift of serving. If, if there's a gift that I, that I operate in, in terms of motivation, it's serving. I love serving. I love, you know, <laughs> My wife really loves her because I do, I do the cooking because I really enjoy cooking. I love serving. I enjoy it. It's not that I have to. I do it because I love it. That when I do it, it gives back to me. I actually, I got men never saying, you, cook, you don't do cooking for No, I, I love cooking for my wife. Actually, when I'm cooking and I'm serving, it gives back to me. It fills my tank. This is the way you can look at it. I learned this from a pastor who, his message was called The Walking Dead. And he literally was a pastor that had Berlin. And what he had to start to learn is he had too many things that emptied his tank and not enough things that filled his tank. And a lot of pastors fall into that. So the meeting leaves everyone else, pour it, pour it, pour it, and they're not filling. So he helped us to start seeing, what fills your tank? And I found one of the things was serving. And so that's what I do in different capacities. Now I have a gifting, uh, you know, and we're not going to get into all separating giftings as your calling as an apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher. We're not going to get into that. We're going into just these gifts, which are a lot of them are motivational gifts here. But um, in this, when I do it, it gives back to me. 
And this is what you got to look at in terms of the things that God puts in you. When you do it, does it make you alive? When you do it, does it fill your tank? When you do it, do you know that you're pleasing God? When you do it, is it something that you know God can use? And if it is, keep doing it. And as you give that gift away, it makes room for itself. As you keep using it. Then it says here, another gift. Um, if you are a teacher, teach well. In other words. And you, you can tell people that are teachers. They, they know how to break things down. They know how to lay things out and make it simple. They know how to, to just teach. I can't explain. And you, and you know people that don't have the gift of teaching. <laughs> You're like, are they done yet? It's like, oh! Are they going to keep going on and on and on? And it's like, no. No, a person that has the gift of teaching, they're not your judgment, and it's like, you're learning, and you're like, oh, oh. And it's like, oh, boom. It makes sense. It's like, I understand it. And so those people that are, that are teaching, they need to find places where that can be used. Look at airplanes where that can be used. Look at places where that can be given away. In the church, there's multiple places where that can be given away. And use it. Use it. Then he says here, um, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If, and again, that's the almost the same person as his prophecy. It's very similar. But again, they're just always encouraging. Always, 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 always. And we need those people in the body. Amen? Amen. If your gift is giving, give generously. I've seen people with the gift of giving. And incredible what God does with people with the gift of giving. Their gift is huge, and that's way in there. God just brings back more. And they just, they, they deal with money like it's like monopoly. But they, there's a humility with it in that they they steward it with a respect that when they give that to God, that it's going to be used. And they, yes, they're generous, but they also know it's being used wisely. Like they're not flippant about it. But if you've got that gift, you know, where you, where you know God can pour into you and he can trust you to pour out, then, then run with it. Keep giving it. Put challenges out there. God, I'm going to give to you. See if you can give me. I did that with one of my Bible school teachers. She, she was a teacher, but she had a jewelry business. She was a Jewish lady, um, born-again believer. But she says, I can't outgive God. She said, just keep trying. And she was extremely generous and extremely wealthy. And she just kept giving and giving. And it just kept coming back to her in different ways. And it just, and she just kept, and it just, it kept going. Matter just, I can't remember the last time we met her, but um, it was still the same. So that's a gift of giving. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. In other words, the gift of ruling, to be able to lead, you got to be able to do that and know that God gave you that gift. Just use it. Just use it. Use it for His ability. Allow Him to just work through you. And how do you know you have that? Okay, people that have this gift, they'll all of a sudden, 
They'll step into a situation, and they're not even the, the leader of it, and a lot of times they'll know what to do. They're like, boom, 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 this, this, this. They'll come into a situation that's chaotic, and they'll begin to sort it through. And it's just like, boom, 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 boom. They just know, and they just sort it out. <laughs> yeah, that one I, I, I used too, that gift. I don't know if it's, if it's my primary gift, but it is one I use. Um, I'm hoping I'm using it well, but sometimes I don't think I am. <laughs> but I'll stay before God and answer for that. As you will do. If there is a gift of, um, if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, now this one's important. Do it gladly. So the gift of mercy, gift of kindness. Because you know why you need to do it gladly? Because you're probably going to get stomped on the most. And it makes you grumpy. I've seen merciful, sweet merciful, grumpy people. Because a lot of people shoot Bambi. They just do. Mercy is not one of those gifts that is many times received or it's taken for granted. Yeah. And what happens with that is you lose your gladness. That's why he says, do it with gladness. Because you're doing it, you're serving the one that you're ultimately going to give an account for. You're not serving that person. You, you, you love that person to the best of your ability. But you know what? Our love fails, but his love doesn't. Amen? Amen. And so if we serve with that love, and then we do it as unto him, and we can do it with gladness. And it says here, um, and, and then that's the last one. So it says, so don't just pretend to love others. We're going to end with this. Natalie, can we? Actually, if I can have the whole worship team up, I'll start playing in the back. This is my first close. <laughs> so it says, don't just pretend to love others. In other words, guess what? We can pretend to love others. Because Paul is saying, don't just do that. So we're not, we're not going to play pretend. Really love them. So how do we do that? We hate what is wrong. That's what it says. And we hold tightly to what is good. So we, we hate what is wrong and we love what is good. So how, how do we do that? Every day as we're looking and as we're walking and as we're serving God and as we're doing these things and God shows us things that are wrong, we need to learn to hate that thing that is wrong and that is never people, okay? The Bible says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities and against forces of darkness. So when we see people that are hateful or lashing out and all these different things, hurt people, hurt people. And we've got to remember that we hate what is wrong, but we love what is good. And we need to ask God, what is good? What is, it, what is the good that you've put in that person? What is the good that you're doing in this situation? You know, I just finished reading Joseph's life this week in my devotional. 
you know, Joseph, I don't want to get into the whole story, but at the end of his life, his brothers betrayed him. They sold him as a slave. And the sad, sad, sad thing is at the end of his, their father's life, when they bury their father, which is, I can't remember how many years, it's, it's got to be at least 30 or more from the time they sold him into slavery. Probably way more, but anyway, years and years and years later. And they're like, oh great, our dad's dead. Now Joseph's gonna get back at us. And this is all tormenting them again. And you know what it says? It says that Joseph looked the most kindness. That he spoke kind, kindly to them. And he said, you, you meant this for evil. Everything that happened, you meant it for evil. But God used it for good. And he delivered me. And he delivered our entire generation. He saved two generations. And Joseph assured them that that would not happen. That's the heart of God. And that it, God can only do that. Because he had tons of disappointments, tons of pain. Read his life story to give you a perspective of how low things can get and God will elevate it to so high you won't even believe it. He became the vice president of the greatest nation in the world from a prisoner in one day. When God decided to elevate him, it was in a day. But the work that God had to do on the inside of him took years. Years. So let's not minimize that part. Let's not minimize the, the working out of the gifts, the working out of those abilities, because the, the, the tendency for us to do is to be lazy. Blame everyone around us. Make an excuse why this isn't happening. Make an excuse why that's not happening. And, and we can just go in circles and circles and circles. And, and days turn into weeks. And weeks turn into months. And months turn into years. And you look and you say, where am I? What's changed? And, and God gives us steps. He says it doesn't matter what it is you're facing. There's no temptation that has come upon you that is not common to everyone. And I have provided a way of escape. Wherever every one of us are, in whatever area in our life, when God, we encounter with God, he gives us the ability to make a move. And he gives us a step to move forward. Now the devil will throw a ton of things on you and say, you didn't do this, you didn't do this, and, and bombard you with condemnation and tell you a million things you need to do. And that's hell. And he puts you in a corner and he totally paralyzes you. But the Spirit of God will give you one thing. One step. And then he'll give you another step. Because he is a leading spirit. He is not a driving spirit. 
He doesn't drive you. He leads you. He leads you. So it says don't love each other. Um, just It says don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. But work hard to serve the Lord. Amen? Never be lazy, but work hard to serve the Lord. Be patient. Oh, wait, sorry. No, but work hard to serve the Lord enthusiastically. Right? Rejoice in, our, in your confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. What's the first thing you don't want to do? Come on. Keep on praying. I don't feel like praying. That's, that is the most important time to pray. I don't feel like my prayers are doing anything. They're actually probably doing the most if you just would do it. Try. When God's people are in need, be ready to help. And always be eager to practice hospitality. In other words, always have your, your, your life open. Always be ready to welcome people in. And that means your home, it means wherever. Be ready to practice hospitality. So practical, so simple. And these are ways that we can love people deeply. These are ways that we can begin to lift others. So let's stand. We're going to just take this time to just just let the Spirit of God minister to us and just let's just lift him up. We're going to just declare he's worthy. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.